It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to week six of This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, the coaches, the players, and all of the stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, again with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, and author Kevin McNamara. And the theme for this week, Kevin, has to be last shall be first. What a story for St. John's Red Storm. Not only does an 0-11 team in the Big East send shockwaves throughout college basketball by knocking off the fourth-ranked Duke Blue Devils at Madison Square Garden over the past weekend, but then the Johnnies managed to summon something up from inside, some assistance from somewhere, maybe divine providence. Well, the Friars might disagree with that. Maybe the ghost of yesteryear against number one-ranked Villanova Wednesday night on the road in South Philly, no less. And for the first time in 33 years, since 1985, St. John's beats the number one team in the nation. They hold off Villanova 79-75. to The Red Storm get their first conference win. Everybody else says, wow. Shot. Good! Tariq Owens! Bagley will inbound it. Clock winds down. Here's a shot put up in the air at the buzzer. No good. And hey, how about your headline story from Madison Square Garden this Saturday afternoon? This is a victory for St. John's as they drop number four, Duke, 81-77. Wow. Eyes, flies, ball game, St. John's, 79 to 79-75, 2.8 to play. Gillespie will inbound it, throws a midcourt pass. Brunson, long-range street from the right side, no good. This is history. Call your friends, folks. Guess what? If you didn't think that the win over fourth-ranked Duke Saturday at Madison Square Garden was not good enough, Get a load of this. Here's your headline from Philadelphia as St. John's defeats the number one team in the country, 79-75. As St. John's picks up their first win in the conference. Woo. How do you describe that, right? It's it's a great run for St. John's. It's funny. I, I watched the bulk of the Duke game and was so impressed with uh, just the toughness that St. John's showed. Down the stretch, Duke came back and finally threw some haymakers in the last five minutes. The Villanova game, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't watching. And then I started getting texts <laughs> just just after halftime. Red Storm, uh, uh, Ponds. And well, I'm like, oh, I, I need to turn this one on. I'll come to your defense for just a second because I'm actually coming back from doing another radio show at the time. And then same thing happened to me. Yeah. And so I'm like, i got to find this. And so I found it on Sirius XM, one of our broadcast partners here for this week in the Big East, and listened to the almost the entire second half coming back from the radio show. And I was absolutely riveted and disbelieving the entire way, but kudos to the Red Storm, man. They they have put it together at the right time, and and I, I know that Red Storm fans have got to be really proud for Chris Mullen as well, because he's really tried hard to get these kids tuned in to what he's trying to do, accomplish. And, and you know, the, the people who really were watching St. John's closely could see this coming. Not to beat these two teams, but playing much better. As a matter of fact, yeah. on last week's show, we had Chris Mack saying, wow, this is the best 0-9 team I've ever seen. Yeah. At the time in, in the Big East, and uh, boy, he was right. He had it spot on. It's a pretty good 0-11 team, too, I would say, but they're no longer 0-11 now. So, Kevin, the question has to be now, is St. John's better than the record would indicate? I mean, they're 12-13 and overall. They're now 1-11 and in Big East play. Or is this really a case of midseason blues for a couple of the country's elite teams? Well, uh, I'm not going to excuse Duke. Duke. Duke had been actually playing better, turning up. Uh, obviously, they have some defensive issues that have been consistent all season for the Blue Devils. 
Villanova, yes. Uh, Villanova played uh, without Eric Pascal, who has a concussion. Hopefully he can return a little bit. They really only play with six players, which is, you know, really difficult. Right. But Shamari Pons is probably the best one-on-one scorer in the league, one of the better one-on-one scorers in the country. And if you don't keep him under wraps, he will keep his team in the game all all game long. And that's exactly what, what's happened the last two uh, two ball games. He really did that. Well, it was a spectacular week for the Red Storm as they climb back into relevancy, while the rest of the Big East finds the road predictable as well, which means it's unpredictable. It's the first time in the Associated Press poll era a team with an 0-10 record or worse in conference play beat the number one team in the country. 11 straight losses, two straight wins over top four teams for St. John's. With the loss to St. John's, Villanova drops a half game behind Xavier in the standings as the new number one right now. Musketeers at least temporarily take hold of first place at 10-2. and two. Nova is 9-2, and two, Creighton is 8-4, and four, Providence is 7-4. and four. The logjam in the middle features Butler presently at 7-5, and five, Seton Hall at 6-5, and five, Marquette's trying to claw its way up the ladder. They're 5-7 and seven after winning on the road this week at Seton Hall and sweeping the Pirates. Six Big East teams were ranked in the nation's top 27 at the start of this week in the RPI. Seven in the top 65. Eight teams also ranked among the top 50 nationally in overall strength of schedule. And the Big East, thanks in large part to St. John's conquering of Duke, vaults into the top spot in conference RPI rankings. Villanova remains overall as the number two team in RPI, number one in the media polls for an eighth week this season. But all of that could come to a close as we wrap up the first week of February. How surprising then, Kevin, is this to see underdogs rise to the occasion at this latter stage of a year? You know, we've seen lower-tiered teams in conference play in previous Big East seasons whip up on a couple of kingpins every now and then, and you just kind of dismiss it, and there's real no consistency to it. But worst? Beating first? It's kind of extraordinary, isn't it? You know, every year it seems that media days across the country, not just the Big East, the coaches say, John, from top to bottom, we're the best league in the country. And it never really, you know, there's always one or two down the bottom who just struggle. And, you know, St. John's clearly was struggling. Well, when your last place team is beating the number one team in the country and Duke, uh, top to bottom, the Big East is a bear right now. I don't think anybody wants to play St. John's right now, do you? Who wants to play DePaul? No, They they, they had Creighton uh, Creighton on Wednesday Wednesday night. night, They lose by, you know, one or two points. That's right. So really, every game. And Georgetown is, I I think, the most improved team in the league. Georgetown is going to, they're going to do what St. John's has done. They're going to get somebody. And they're going to get multiple people between now and the end of the season. Well, don't forget, if you have questions on your favorite team, you can send them to us. We'll use them on the show right here. Hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag TWITBE. Twit me. And don't forget to leave a comment if you download our podcast on iTunes. Stitcher and Google Play are also podcast partners. The grind is setting in for just about everyone in the league by the first week of February. Nowhere is it more evident than at Seton Hall. Pirates were one of the preseason favorites. They have a senior-laden, experienced team, and yet they've lost two straight after a home win over Providence. How difficult is life in the Big East right now? Head coach Kevin Willard tells us all about it next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom 
sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. Big East Spotlight. To the corner, Rodriguez open for three. Off the back rim, no good, but Delgado with the rebound, lays it in, out of foul. The basket counts. Seton Hall's Pirates have experience, explosiveness, and the toughness needed to thrive in a league like the Big East. And yet, once they seem to have things rolling their way, boom, this league can find a way to humble you pretty quickly. Head coach Kevin Willard joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Kevin, can you give us a sense of what it's like to prepare day in and day out for the nightly battles you and your team are facing? Yeah, it's brutal. Um, You know, it's, I think, what makes this league so tough and uh, so fun to watch. Um, you know, obviously great players. I think the coaches do a great job preparing their teams. Um, it's one of those things that you, you just don't, you know, everyone says it, you just don't have a night off. And if you don't bring it emotionally, you don't bring it physically and, and really mentally in this league, you know, you're going to you're gonna lose games. Kevin, I think because of that, it, it really puts a, uh, an onus on the head coaches like yourself to make sure your team is, quote, ready for every game. Uh, you know, uh, Marquette comes into uh, Newark struggling, uh, playing pretty well, but just losing games. And then Marcus Howard does what he can do. You know, we we saw him here in Providence get 52. He gets 32 against you guys. Uh, I guess you got to credit Wojo with keeping his team going in, in a in a tough stretch. And and you guys had a a dip a few weeks ago, and and you got out of that pretty well. How difficult is that to do? It, it's it's difficult because I think sometimes, even though when you have veteran guys. Uh, which Marquette does, which Providence, uh, the whole league does, um, is getting them to understand that, you know, there's really good players on every team. Um, and every all the players all have goals, and they're all all fighting to become the best. And um, I thought, you know, watching watching Marquette going into the game, I was really impressed with how hard they were playing defensively. Um, had a good shot to beat Villanova. Um, really played Xavier tough for the first 35 minutes. Um Providence game was tough, and uh, when you have two great guards like he does and Howard and Rousey, you know you 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 better be prepared to play. And uh, I gave I gave Woj a lot of credit because I thought they just they came out defensively with a really good edge and kind of got us back on our heels early in the game. Where is your team right now, Kevin? After that that tough one on on Wednesday night, because it was an opportunity there for you, and obviously you weren't able to come through it. And we know that in this league there are going to be nights like that. How do you feel about your team right now? Yeah, I, I, I still like my team a lot. You know, this is in this league. Unfortunately, um, you know you're gonna you're gonna go through some stretches where um, I think the schedule sometimes dictates how you how you play. I, I thought that's something that would happen to Marquette a little bit is. Uh, and with us is that, you know, every once in a while, because, you know, not everybody plays on the same amount of rest, not everybody, um, you know, with the bye weeks, um, you're going to have some stretches where you're going to play three games in six days. Um, I thought we played Villanova really well for most of the game. Um, I liked the way we battled in the second half. Uh, you know, we got down 10, cut it to two twice. Um, I like my team. I like where we're at. Um I got a lot of confidence in them. It's just sometimes, you know, you, you go through some ups and downs in conference play, and you just got you got to stay positive, and you got to keep grinding. The uh, veteran uh, core of your team has experienced the NCAA tournament before. I saw some success in, in the postseason. Uh, is there a danger with a veteran team like that where they just say, Oof, "Just get me to March"? And you know, there's some very difficult games you guys have left between now and the Big East tournament. Yeah, it's, uh, Kevin, that's a great point. I mean, it, it is a little bit of. Um, 
you know, this is really my first time ever having such a senior-laden team. Um, you know, keeping them focused on the current, uh, being the, the here and now. Um, and it is easy for them to look forward to, okay, I can't wait, you know, to get in the Big East tournament. I can't wait, you know, for my future. Uh, they're all playing so well. Um, but that's where I have confidence in these guys to understand, okay, we had a tough one last night, lost a tough game, but they understand that we got another tough one on Saturday and we got to bounce back. Did I see you at one point in time, Coach, describe your team uh, in, in a lovable way, I guess, as knuckleheads? <laughs> no, that's, that's my nickname I give my two kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, but speaking to that, because I know these guys, I've heard the banter in the stands, and I know that uh, you've been quoted several times in, in within your local media about how the bus rides are somewhat entertaining because these guys are always busting each other's chops. Is that a, is that a good thing but, you know, through experience to, to have them do that? Does that kind of help you keep them in the here and now sometimes? Yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're a really tight-knit group that really – you know, when you when you're around each other as much as they're around each other, um, you know, I've always been amazed with this group. Is that you know they love to have fun with each other uh, in a good humored way. You know, whether uh, it's someone's haircut or the way someone's wearing the type of jeans they're wearing. You know, it's always in a good natured, fun way. And I think that's something that I love being around these guys. And I think they all love being around each other because although they're they're getting on each other. They're getting on each other in a good humored way, and they're picking they're picking each other up by kind of getting on each other. Hey, John, I can only imagine what these guys say about Coach Willard's uh, attire. <laughs> <laughs> on a, on a I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, we'll and, leave it there. And Kevin's a smart guy. He's not going to call Angel Delgado a knucklehead anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> no, that's my big teddy bear. He's the guy that he goes to work for me. He's he's the best. He's my next question. Uh, you know, a, a four year big time big man is tough to find in college basketball these days. Uh, can you put his accomplishments into perspective in Seton Hall history? I mean, he's probably got to be one of their best all-time players. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I, I just think the effort he plays with, uh, the consistency that he has played with uh, over his four years, you know, he has gotten so much better offensively. He's become, in my mind, an elite passer uh, out of the post and out of pick-and-roll situations. You know, it, it just shows, you know, how much work he's put into his game, how much work he's put into the program. Um, I'm really proud, you know, and the fact that, you know, he's the leading all-time Big East rebounders is an unbelievable accomplishment. I'm kind of curious, though, because as we've seen your team play a few times this year, it seems to me sometimes he almost defers his offense to trying to make the good pass. Have you talked to him about that at all? Well, you know, it, he, he is such a good passer, and he, he enjoys passing, and you know, when you when you have someone that really enjoys passing and can get other guys shots, you know, you got to let him do what he wants to do naturally. Um, and you know, there's times where you know, last night there's times he picked and chose his spots where he went and tacked, uh, and then there's times he kicked it out and we got some open threes. So um, I think he's really good at kind of sensing how the defense is playing, who's playing them, uh, and who's open. And you, know, you just got to let him let him do what he does naturally. Kevin, if you guys are going to have some success uh, come March, uh, make an NCAA tournament run, what are the maybe two things that you know you're going to have to bring? Yeah, we, we just we have to get back as a team, um, and, and we've just been so inconsistent lately uh, on the little things. You know, you know, boxing out in, in the Villanova game hurt us. Uh, pick and roll defense last night um, hurt us. You know, we got to get a little bit more consistent, and that's the, probably the one thing that I've been harping on with these guys is. Um, when we're consistent with it on the defensive end, we're really good. And there's times where I think we just think we can outscore people, and we, we 
lose our fundamentals, uh, and it really comes back and, and hurts us. Coach, a qu- final quick one, if I might. As you look at the, the league landscape, as you, you know, are ready to take a bite into February, what else about this league has impressed you that uh, comes from another team, perhaps, rather than your own? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I think the depth of the league and the depth of talent in the league is really impressive. You know, you look at St. John's beating Duke, beating Villanova last night. You know, they every team has veteran players that have been through the grind, been through the wars. Um, I watch, you know, watching the Butler Xavier game the other night, um, how, how Martin and Blewett were going back at each other, um, how J.P. McCure has really turned into an elite player. Um, I just think that the, the depth and the veteran veteran players um, is so impressive in this league. Kevin Willard, Seton Hall's head coach. Who's hot? Coach mentioned a few of them right there at the very end. We've got the hot shots from the guys who shoot them and hit them next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts, is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. Who's hot? Foster takes the three. It's good! Marcus Foster gives the Jays the lead. 76-75. Marcus Foster. A three from the right wing with 14 seconds left. He now has 2,000 in his career. Han slowly into the front court. Drives it to the right side. Ball poked away. Gets the handle back all the way to the hoop. Puts it up at the Jafari Han. Thanks it through. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. I guess it's kind of easy to say who's really hot this week, Kevin. I think we have to start with the St. John's Red Storm. And, oh, yeah, Shamari Ponce really had himself one heck of a week. He shot 56% from the floor, 47% from three. And kept it going with 25 more to knock off Villanova. John, I think he's the player of the week in the country, not just be. the Big East. Yeah, I think he might be. I think you're right. And you know what? If he continues it, who's to say St. John's can't pick off a couple of more down the line here? He's the best one-on-one player in the league, no question. And when he gets help, like uh, St. John's did from Justin Simon, uh, Marvin Clark, Clark yeah. they're a real team. I mean, they've been difficult to deal with all season long w- yeah. with some nights off. But when Pons is going... He's going to keep you in a ball game all by himself. I think the X factor there is Bashir Ahmed. When Bashir Ahmed is in double figures and active on the backboards, St. John's is tough. They're hard to guard. You know, and Owens, Tariq Owens, the yeah. big guy in the inside. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, obviously some really good players on, on Duke and uh, Villanova up front, and he's all, the only real legit big guy that St. John's has. He, he's been playing very well defensively. Big East freshman of the week, Omari Spellman, Villanova. I think we've already said that a half a dozen times this year, but 20.7 rebounds in a perfect week before, of course, they met St. John's. He had 26 and 11 in a win over Seton Hall. Without Eric Pascal, who's dealing with a concussion, who knows how many games he's out. Probably definitely out Saturday. A Butler yep. comes into Villanova, and then Villanova goes at Providence. So those are two very difficult games where uh, Spellman's going to have to be very good again. On the Big East honor roll this week, Keelan Martin from Butler, 21 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists 
in a 2-0 week for Butler. Uh, he has had 20-point games in 11 Big East contests. So Keelan Martin continues to set the pace. Alpha Diallo from Providence. We've had him on the program already this year. Try to identify him as an emerging star. And guess what, Kevin? I think we're kind of proving prescient here with him. 21 points, 6.5 rebounds. Uh, excuse me, yep, 20 points, 6.5 rebounds in a 1-1 one one week for the Friars. And he had a 25-10 game, double-double, against Seton Hall. And then came back in Providence's uh, comeback win over Georgetown with another double-double, 11 and 12. I believe that's three double-doubles in five games for Alpha. A true do-it-all type guy. He's six foot seven, and yet he plays like a power forward. Or a point guard sometimes. You know, he's a very good passer. He handles the ball really well for his size. Really, one of the most multidimensional guys in the league. Desi Rodriguez of Seton Hall, 18 points, 6.5 rebounds, 3 assists in uh, the Pirates' week. Jalen Brunson of Villanova, his numbers couldn't keep him off the honor roll. 20 points, 5 assists. And then Trevon Blewett, 22.5 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists for the Xavier senior in a perfect week as well. He had 31 in their overtime win against Georgetown. You know, uh... Anyone who missed Xavier's win over at Butler, 98-93, missed two outstanding individual performances by two guys you just mentioned. Blewett went for 26 and hit six threes. Keelan Martin went for 34 and hit six threes. Both guys clearly two of the better scorers in the country. Both are on this list every week. Those guys in Brunson are automatic. Here's the point. You want to see good individual players? Tune in a Big East basketball game because your chances are very strong of seeing something outstanding happen. Well, and like Kevin Willard mentioned, they're also older guys. You yeah. know, When you have very good elite players as juniors and seniors, they really stand out, and uh, those guys really stand out. Well, the 2018 Big East Men's Basketball Tournament is only weeks away. For the 36th consecutive consecutive year, the Big East Men's Basketball Tournament will be played in New York City, March 7th through 10th at the world's most famous arena. Of course, that's the mecca of college basketball, Madison Square Garden. And you can certainly be there. Don't miss your chance to go because it's easy. Go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for all of the tickets and information you need. Well, how does this sudden run of craziness in college basketball get started? It's not really as crazy or as unpredictable as you might believe. In fact, you should probably expect the unexpected, especially at this time of year. Former Villanova coach and current CBS Sports Network analyst Steve Lapis explains it for us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. If you want to make a difference, you need to be the difference. At Marquette University, we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever. We research, study, test our theories, and practice our faith. We are men and women for and with others. It's excellence in the classroom, in the community, in our fields, and on the court. We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big East Focus. Hans fakes the three, takes the ball down the middle, floaters, good! Shamari Pond scores, and St. John's goes ahead 67-58. They could taste this one, Ming. Nine-point lead at number one with 2.25 to go. The crazy, unexpected games are the ones we all love to watch unfold, right? But the coaches, sleepless days and nights trying to figure out ways to win these games and not to lose them. Former Villanova coach Steve Lapis knows those feelings all too well. He was on the microphone for St. John's win over Villanova this week on the CBS Sports Network. He joins us this week in the Big East. Steve, can you explain what you saw in South Philly Wednesday night? You know, uh, it's hard to explain, and I, I said this the other day, that you, know, you have a team like St. John's, lose 11 games in a row, 
and then beats the number four team in the country. You say, well, how often does a team break an 11-game losing streak by beating the number four team in the country? But then to come right back and beat number one at number one is even more amazing. And the truth is, they had Xavier on the ropes. They had Xavier down with two minutes to go last Wednesday. They could have won all three of these games and been 0-11 the week. Very hard to explain. Uh, Steve, t- tell us as a coach. You know, you, you've had you had great teams, you had bad teams, just like every other coach. How do you keep your kids going in February when you're zero and eleven in a league? You know, I give Chris Paul credit because, and I think it helps you in some ways and it hurts you in some ways. He has the pro mentality, and I think the pro mentality. That's why college coaches struggle with the pros, and I think it's why pro guys struggle in college at times because the pro mentality. Listen, we got a game tomorrow. Forget it. We're going to learn from it and move on. Those guys are really good at moving on. And I think Chris Paul did a great job during this 11-game losing streak having his guys move on because they kept playing hard every game. And usually kids and college coaches can make a team beleaguered when they lose 11 in a row because they're on them, you're killing them for two days, then you play the game the third day. You know what I mean? In the booth, they keep coming back to back to back. They move on. And I think Chris Mullen has done a great job, and I think the pro mentality helps you in the extended league to just move on, and this team moves on, and they've got some talent. They don't have a lot of it, but they've got some talent. Well, let's take that a step further, uh, Steve, because obviously as a former coach, you know how to handle both sides of the situation. When your team feels that's something special coming on, how do you how do you keep them in the now rather than looking ahead or dwelling on the past? And in other words, you're Chris Mullen with the St. John's team right now. How do you keep them performing at the level to which they are now performing? Well, I think it all starts with him. You know what I mean? I I know me personally, I would struggle keeping myself afloat during an eleven game losing streak. You know what I mean? I think a lot of coaches would because your tendency is because you got so much time between games to focus on things more. So he hasn't done that. And I think they're going to continue to play in the now. I don't think they're going to think about, you know, winning the Big East tournament because that's probably what they have to do. Even though they have an RPI of 70, they're 1-11 in the league and they have an RPI of 70, which is really hard to do. But when you can see, I read somewhere where that win they had yesterday was the, the most worthwhile win in the entire season, winning at Villanova was worth more in the RPI than any other win you could have. That being said, they probably have to win the Big East tournament to get to the NCAA, and I, I think they're just playing one game at a time. I was shocked to see last night, and I stood it in the first five minutes of the game. I said, you expect to see a letdown after what they did against Duke, but you expect to see it early. Not seeing it early, I saw a tremendous amount of effort from this team early. I was a little surprised, to be honest with you. Steve Lapis, former Villanova coach and current sports analyst for the CBS Sports Network, joining us here this week in the Big East. So let's take a little of what you just said, Steve, and I'm curious now, does what St. John's did, does that blow a hole now in all the metrics that we're told you need to follow to get into the NCAA tournament? Because it sounds to me like if if that was the most important, best win that anybody can get in the RPI, and it, it doesn't score you anything, I guess what this does then is it really lends itself to a body of work scenario and getting into the postseason, correct? Well, yeah, it does. And I think it kind of tells you that if they started the RPI being 1 11 in the Big East, what would they be if they were 4 7? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So if they were sitting there with a losing record, beating Duke and beating Villanova, this team would be on the NCAA tournament bubble. It's kind of similar to where Temple is right now. Temple's struggling in their league, struggling with their record, but they got wins against Auburn and Clemson. That's keeping them in the hunt. So it kind of tells you that if this team were just 3-8, and 4-7 and seven in the Big East, they would be on the bubble right now. I think the key stat to note about St. John's is out of the non-conference part of the schedule, they were 19th in the RPI, so they, they really played a, a Pretty difficult. Strong. Yeah. Very strong. Uh, mm-hmm. Flipping to the other side of the court there, Steve, uh, uh, Villanova is beat up a little bit right now. They now have to rely on three freshmen, um, four freshmen, actually, uh, if you count the big guy, uh, on top of uh, Gillespie and Roundtree. Um, uh, so, you know, it's a difficult time for, uh, for, for Villanova. What do you take away from the Wildcats? Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you've said credit. They went there and they won, but they were not playing the team that earned their way to being number one in the country. Let me let's understand that. That team last night is without Pascal, who's probably their toughest guy, without Phil Booth, one of their toughest guys and one of their best players. And the problem is they're subbing up for guys that have never played, that don't know how to guard. That, I mean, so that team last night was not number one in the nation at St. John's Beach. Now, you got to give them credit. They did do it. They did it on their floor. Absolutely. But this is all team last night. If they played with that team all year, they would not have been number one in the nation because those freshmen aren't ready to assume those roles. I mean, even a guy like Amari Spellman, as good as he's been at times, he's playing 23 minutes a game, not 35. Last night, you couldn't take him out. And he was not, I mean, I don't think physically he was able to keep up with what was going on. I think it hurt him defensively. So, uh, Villanova will be fine. The pass will come back. Hopefully, Booth gets back before the end of the year. That's iffy. Uh, there's been no announcement on that. Uh, but they, they need Pascal for sure. They certainly need Booth to score 20 points in the in the national championship game a couple of years ago. So they need both those guys. Yeah, Villanova eight for thirty-three from the three-point line last night. That's that's not going to get it done for uh, the Wildcats. Uh, last one, Steve. Uh, I, you obviously concentrate on an awful lot of conferences, not just the Big East. Is, is there one team in the country you've seen, or, or either live or on TV, that you think is maybe lying in the weeds a little bit? You know, I guess Cincinnati is kind of lying in the weeds right now. You know, they're the one team. Seems like everybody that things up. Everybody like you know, Purdue takes one on the chin again. Let's face it, Chris Holman's done a great job at Ohio State. They take one on the chin at home. Auburn takes one on the chin at home. So, I mean, it's kind of that kind of year. Cincinnati seems to be the one team that continues to roll along in this thing. And, you know, they play great defense, as we know. But this team can also score. So, even though they're obviously a highly ranked team, they're kind of laying there. They could be a Final Four, I don't want to say sleeper, because everybody knows they're good. But we don't talk about them that much. That's Steve Lapis. The national perspective is next, and a current College Hoops reporter and analyst gives us his thoughts on not just the current Big East craziness, but on the madness about to settle in all over the place. CBS Sports' John Rothstein joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. 
And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. National Perspective. Bounce pass, baseline, Ponds with four seconds and two. Three to well, ball. Stud! Jamari Ponds hits the home run shot from the near side. And St. John's goes ahead 77-73. With four weeks still to play before we get to the Garden, just how much more unpredictability can we stand? Better question is, how much more craziness can college basketball's hoop hierarchy withstand before the madness gets here? John Rothstein covers it all as an insider for CBS Sports Network and as a writer for Fan Red Sports. And John, I'm, I'm just curious what your first thought was after St. John's defeated Duke this past weekend. And how did that change when the Johnnies then pulled off back-to-back stunners this week? Well, I think your initial reaction is obviously not a surprise if you follow St. John's. St. John's has been ultra-competitive in the Big East this season, but has come up a couple of buckets short on a number of times. And I think that was my reaction when St. John's beat Duke on Saturday. But after the game against Villanova, guys, I think it's more of a bigger circle of things when you look at the landscape of college basketball. I think really for a long time, everybody covering the sport looked at Villanova, Virginia, and Purdue as the three teams that were a cut above everybody else. But I can't remember a season where seedings meant less in the NCAA tournament than the one we're about to have coming up in about four and a half weeks. John, I, I can't agree with you more. And if you look at the scores, you know, both Virginia and Purdue, they're not exactly knocking people around. To their credit, they're winning games. They're winning them tight. Uh, Villanova was the team that was knocking them down uh, pr- pretty easily. But, you know, the Wildcats are a little thinner these days. They got some injuries. And uh, in the St. John's game, they basically play with six six people. So maybe it's just a little time when Villanova is just regrouping for March. Well, and another thing, too, Kevin, you know, you have to look at is, Villanova, even though it obviously until the St. John's game only had one loss, it's still a team that had issues defending. And I think really you have to look at, you know, that being masked even last week against Creighton. Villanova was able to win by 20 against the Blue Jays last week in South Philadelphia, but it still gave up 78 points. And one of the things, and I know that, you know, everybody has really harped on Duke about this, and for good reason, is Villanova struggles guarding the dribble. And I think that really manifested itself last night when it had no answer for Justin Simon and Shamari Pons, who I think without question are the best backcourt that's ever played on a team that's one in eleven in conference play. <laughs> All right, so John, let's put a little perspective on this. How much did that loss Wednesday night damage Villanova in your eyes? Well, I, I don't think it damages them that much because you have to remember that the selection committee is going to take into account player injuries. Phil Booth and Eric Pascal did not play for Villanova. Right. The selection committee will look at that when they're evaluating number one seeds. But I think what it does is it reiterates how vulnerable everybody is. And, you know, for me, the NCAA tournament really starts in the round of 32. First two days are for the Dreamers. They're for the mid-majors to have a chance to get their day in the sun. But I think when you look at the round of 32 this year, you're going to see more upsets and more potential upsets than maybe any other year. I mean, look at some of the basketball that we've seen the last couple of nights. The Florida State team that was really ahead of Virginia for 30 minutes last night, that's the type of 8 or 9 seed that could be matched up with a Virginia, with a Villanova, with a Purdue. So I think, you know, that round of 32 this year is going to have an awful lot of higher seeds going down. 
to teams that, again, might be pegged on that 8-9 or 7-10 line but are still just as capable. All right, let's take this then a step further. How does this affect the bubble watch over the next four weeks leading into Selection Sunday? Because seeding, as you and Kevin have already alluded to, you know, could be less meaningful this year than in any other year in recent memory. What about the bubble? Does that increase the bubble this year? Well, I think it alters seeding, you know, on a daily basis. And I think that's something we're going to have to monitor. I think teams that have a chance to continually pack up wins in lesser conferences have a chance, and I think a better chance than normal, of sliding up seed lines. And I think two schools you have to look at that fit that bill are Cincinnati out of the American, who I believe in most projections this morning is up to a two-seed after what happened to Auburn last night against Texas A&M, and Rhode Island in the Atlantic 10, a team that you guys are very familiar with. You know, you look at Rhode Island right now, and you look at the situation they're in, it's a down year for the Atlantic 10, a conference that in 2013-14 had a combined 11 teams in the NCAA tournament. But with that said, I think when you look at the parity in the sport and the fact that Rhode Island was able to beat Seton Hall on a neutral court, to beat Providence without E.C. Matthews, the Atlantic 10 preseason player of the year, I think there's a legitimate chance that Rhode Island, if it continues to win, could play itself onto the four or five line come Selection Sunday. John Rothstein, again, CBS Sports Network, college basketball insider, writer for Fan Rag Sports, joining us this week in the Big East. John, I, actually, that was my next question was Rhode Island. There's a couple teams that I think are difficult to seed. Uh, I think Cincinnati out of the American is going to be tested enough that you can tell about the Bearcats. But Rhode Island, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga. You know, the, the committee has struggled seeding uh, Wichita State when they were in the Missouri Valley. I think they're going to have a real tough time with Rhode Island and St. Mary's this year. Uh, Rhode Island does have some non-conference you know, props to bring to the table. St. Mary's really doesn't. But they only have two losses. They, they did beat the Zags in their first meeting. Um, you know, uh, can, can they both be, you know, four seeds, three seeds? Well, well, you know, it's interesting, Kevin. You look at it, and, you know, a year ago, Gonzaga was a one seed, and Gonzaga really only had one loss going into the NCAA tournament. That was a home defeat to BYU. So you look at St. Mary's this year. St. Mary's has two losses. They're both on a neutral court. One was the close loss to Georgia, who was Yante Mayton, maybe the best player in the SEC, and the other was one they'd like to have back against Washington State. But now all of a sudden, if you're St. Mary's and you can somehow get a sweep of Gonzaga coming up on Saturday night, all of a sudden you're going into the West Coast Conference Tournament, I think playing for a three or a four seed, because let's think about this. St. Mary's right now is 23-2. and two. If they can finish the regular season with a sweep of Gonzaga included, and they get into a situation where they're and wind up going to the NCAA tournament at 33 or 34 and two, that to me, if you're going to have three wins over Gonzaga, looks like a team that is going to be, I think, having a chance to be on the three line. Mm-hmm. Going to bring it back to the Big East here, John. We know Villanova, when healthy, is one of the best teams in the country. That next level Big East team, uh, Xavier, Butler, Providence, Seat, uh, Creighton, Seton Hall, they're all looking good right now. Who can be playing on the second weekend? I think that's very unclear. Yeah, you know, I, I lean towards 
Xavier because I think Trayvon Blue is one of the more underappreciated players in the country. He epitomizes everything that college basketball can be about. I lean towards Seton Hall, Kevin, as being that next team, and I've gotten the feeling over the last two or three weeks that because this is such a veteran-laden group, they just want to get to March and get to the Big East tournament and then start the season. Sometimes that happens when you have teams that have a nucleus that's been in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, I think when you look big picture with Marquette getting that win in Newark on Wednesday night and getting the season sweep of Seton Hall, Marquette's in a situation right now where it has put the Big East in an excellent spot to get 70% of the league in for the second straight season. That's no small feat. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about Marquette because what they did on Wednesday in beating Seton Hall, yep, that means they've got the sweep over the Pirates, and so that's got to give them a leg up in terms of the benefit of the doubt, especially if, if Seton Hall is so widely respected. Well, there's no doubt about it, and now you look at what Marquette has to do. Marquette is going to Corneseca Arena on Saturday to take on this upstart St. John's team, and that's what they are, upstart. And now Marquette's going to try and continue to play well on the road. This is a huge stretch for Steve Wojciechowski's team. Because think about it. You're 5-7 and seven right now after the win over Seton Hall, but you have a red-hot St. John's team on Saturday. And then after that, you go to Creighton. If you drop both those games, the best you can be in league play is 9-9 nine and nine overall. Mm-hmm. That's something that can't be dismissed. And, of course, we know that Andrew Rousey still is not really on track to 6 of 26 from the field in his last three games. John Rothstein, CBS Sports Network, college basketball insider and fan rag sports analyst. Who's got next? Big games, big matchups, big upsets. Are there more on the horizon? We've got the devil in the details coming up next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. At Creighton University, our academic programs are recognized nationally for excellence and innovation. Creighton's outstanding undergraduate research opportunities, internships, and clinicals provide students with a chance to explore, create, and discover new knowledge. With business, law, healthcare, and multiple degree options in the arts and sciences, you will leave Creighton ready to begin your career. And our students form a passionate community ready to contribute something meaningful to the world. While in college and after graduation, visit Creighton.edu to learn more about the Creighton experience. Who's got next? Butler with a seven-point lead. Jorgensen up top, passes over to McDermott. McDermott launches a three, and it is good! Oh, my! McDermott, a prayer! He wasn't even looking at the rim. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East, this weekend. We'll start it off Saturday, St. John's against Marquette at Carneseca Arena on campus. Can the Johnnies keep things rolling. And then also, Butler plays at Villanova. Can Butler's Bulldogs pull it off again? They've already beaten Villanova once this year. Can they do it again? And finally, Xavier plays at Creighton. It's a power pack Saturday, Kevin. I love that Xavier-Creighton game. How about Xavier? You know, we've talked about how unpredictable the league is. They've won seven in a row, three on the road. So we'll see if they can make it eight and four. And everyone knows, not easy to win out in Omaha, Nebraska. One quick thing about Butler and Nova, since Butler is one of the two losses now the Villanova has, without Phil Booth and Eric Paschal, how vulnerable are the Wildcats? I think they're clearly vulnerable. You know, and I think uh, you know, Coach Willard made mention of it, uh, playing some younger guys now you know, who haven't had to play. Um, Jermaine Samuels has missed the majority of the season, right. and now he's basically the sixth or seventh man for Jay Wright's team. So uh, if the young guys can grow up really quick – 
Villanova will keep winning, but it's going to be difficult. Obviously, very difficult road here down the stretch for Villanova. This next week, in fact, uh, Tuesday night, Georgetown plays at Butler, so the Bulldogs have another opportunity to uh, get something good done for themselves. Georgetown, to me, may be one of the most improved teams, not just in the Big East, along with St. John's right now, but maybe one of the best and most improved teams I've seen recently in the country because this team is playing with a grit that they didn't have back in November under Patrick Ewing. And I know we saw Jesse Govan the other night you know, there's not many big guys in the country with the skill set that he has. He's a very dangerous player. You think he's learned a little bit from his boss? I'm sure a little Patrick took him into the post a little <laughs> bit, right? A little tutoring. Young man, this is how it's done, right? All, all, no, no question about that. All right, Wednesday night, a couple of great games as well on the tap for Wednesday. Villanova plays at Providence. Seton Hall plays at Xavier. Now, you want to talk about marquee matchups with uh, potential NCAA seedings on the line? Just look at Wednesday night's slate. Well, Ed Cooley's team has really kind of perked at the right time here. They've played very well for a couple of weeks, uh, stubbed their toe, you know, in two really difficult road games, you know, at Villanova, at Seton Hall, uh, but they're really tough at home. And believe me, the people in Providence will be ready for Villanova. On uh, It's Valentine's night. Can you believe that? I don't know how nice the uh, Friars uh, will be to the Wildcats on Valentine's evening. Yeah, and if the Wildcats are still vulnerable w- without a guy like Pascal in the lineup, but then again, Villanova will have had a couple of games playing without him. To get be interesting to, to see how they adjust. And, you know, Providence is pointed in the right direction for the NCAA tournament, but if you can ever get a win over Villanova, that, that would almost lock things up. All right, we have a Twitter question this week. It actually comes from a Friar fan, at least we think it is. Ultimate Cranston says, by my count, Providence is 32-13. and 13. That's 71% winning in games decided by four points or fewer or in overtime over the last five seasons. Wonder if any team really uses that to their advantage to get into the tournament. Well, no one wants to be in those situations, but you got to give it to Ed Cooley and his players for the last several years uh, to be able to do that. I think it goes back to one thing. Providence has really benefited from excellent top-flight point guard play throughout that stretch. And you know, down the stretch, your point guard has the ball, has to make the right decisions. And from Bryce Cotton to Chris Dunn to now Kyron Cartwright, they have the right guy with the ball in his hands. Don't forget, you can ask your question on your team, your favorite players and coaches as well. Just send us a question via Twitter and hit the hashtag TWITBE, TWITBE, for this week in the Big East. And if you're looking for more Big East hoop news, well, you can tune in each week live with the Big East Shootaround. It's available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app. Shootaround has coaches and player interviews around the league every week, so send your question. You can even send your hot takes through social media every week. You can hit their hashtag, B-E Shootaround, to be featured on the show. Our thanks this week to Seton Hall's Kevin Willard, former Villanova coach Steve Lapis, and CBS Sports Network's John Rothstein for joining us. Our thanks also go out to the flagship radio stations at St. John's, Villanova, and Providence for their assistance in providing some of this sound that just brings us all a bit closer to these big moments in these games. Our thanks to producer Kevin Collins, to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. Hey, if you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes, or you can hit us up on Twitter. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. He's Kevin McNamara 33. I'm JR Broadcaster on Twitter. Hope to hear from you. And we'll be back same time next week. This week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, 
Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.